Hey, 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 welcome to another episode of the HR Insider Podcast. I'm so excited to be talking with our guest today. She is a fabulous person and an incredible HR professional. Uh, I'm so excited to introduce you to Katie Ray, who is a director and HR business partner of Netflix on the Netflix talent team. Katie, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm so excited to be here. Awesome. Well, I'm so excited to have you. This is going to be a fun conversation. Uh, and I know that, you know, you and I have been talking offline a little bit. We've been chatting. And one of the things that came out was we really wanted to talk about what an HR business partner is because a number of people have no clue what that is. So can you tell us about what your job is? <laughs> yes, it's uh, it's very mysterious. <laughs> Nobody knows what an HRDP does. Um, and it's going to be very different. So I've been an HRBP at a few different companies. So it's a little bit different depending on where you're working. Um, but currently my role is basically three things. It's coaching, which I would say is about 75% of my role. That's the majority of time I spend. Um, the second is hiring. And then the last is I would just do a bucket of projects. So for the coaching piece, um, I do not have all the answers. It's definitely a peer-to-peer -peer relationship. <laughs> yeah, I don't have I don't have any answers actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, you are going to be the whoever I'm working with is the expert in their life, in their job, and they know the relationships they have right with their reports or their team. But what's helpful is just to be able to talk through those situations with someone who is very objective. I have no agenda. And it's also confidential. My style is I don't share anything that we talk about. It's more um, useful for you to have those direct conversations or whatever it may be, you will do that. So it's kind of a safe, safe space. You don't have to feel judged that you don't know, because I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I would say the main coaching areas are, for example, I'll give a few examples of kind of what these conversations might be about. So promotions, I might help leaders um, and managers think through who we want to promote and how to get them to the next level. Or, you know, the flip side of that could be performance issues. If we have someone who's struggling, we can talk about how to help um, that employee be more successful. Um, we do a lot of reorgs. Um, actually, every company I've worked, <laughs> I've worked at, has to reorganize themselves just to be agile and help the business. So we'll talk about that's something you want to be really thoughtful before you're going to communicate that out to the team. If people are going to change, that's something I will help them think through the communication plan for that and also help them figure out how do we need to actually change. Um, I'll do a lot of employee transfers. Employees might want to, you know, maybe they're getting complacent in their role and they want to try something else but they're not quite sure what, maybe they're not ready to have that conversation with their manager yet. So um, I'll help them think through that. And then of course, you know, employee relations issues. Um, most people can handle the conflict on their own, but which is great. But sometimes you might need that objective third-party person to help navigate the conversation. And again, it helps. I have no agenda, right? So it's easier for me to sometimes help coach through those. So that's the coaching bucket. 
<laughs> All right. So before you move on to the next bucket, like you said that that's the majority of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? So do are people just coming to you and saying, hey, Katie, I have an issue. Can you help me? What does that process look like? Yep. So it's definitely that. Um, I also have regular, we call them one-on-ones, one-on-one meetings um, with the leaders. So I work with some VPs and also directors and then managers. So I have regularly set up um, one-on-ones with them to talk through kind of what's the latest and what's happening. So my Mm -hmm. schedule is pretty full. So I meet with, (laughs) you know, the (laughs) the cadence varies by person. So I, you know, I'll meet with the VPs once a week, typically, Uh, depending on what's going on, it could be even more frequent. Directors, it varies. Some are every other week, some are monthly. And then managers is a little bit more spread out, which I think is unfortunate. If I had more time, I think managers are really the key to having a successful company. If you if you have an amazing company, but a really horrible manager, you're going to quit. Yep. So the manager, <laughs> in my opinion, is the most important person. And I try to help, you know, the leaders, how it can help scale is that we have great leaders who can mentor their managers to be awesome managers. That's kind of the goal. But again, if I had more time, I would spend more time with the managers. Um, so that, that varies too. That can be, I meet with them once a month, some every other week. And if they have issues, obviously it's going to be more, more frequent, but that's like a set schedule that I have already. And then if I see, I love talking to, I see these individual contributors. Um, I love talking to them. I can't meet with them regularly because there's, hundreds of them <laughs> but if something comes up they know they can contact me and i'll always make time to to chat with them through something that's awesome that's awesome okay so uh you had two other kind of job responsibilities roles that you fulfilled too so what was yeah. the next one yeah so hiring and then the last one's projects so with hiring i am very much behind the scenes so before we open a role um i'll chat with a manager to think long-term about their team's needs, right? Like what skill sets are they going to need and what level of professional might fulfill those needs. So it's really like the headcount planning for the future and also the future org design. So once we kind of agree on what we think that team needs, then I will, and we have an you know, immediate need for a role that needs to open, then I will pass it off to recruiting. And our fabulous recruiting team We'll do all, you know, I don't actually do the recruiting piece, right? They'll kick it off. They'll find candidates. But I do interview um, all candidates who are going to manage others. Uh, oh, I will wow. interview them. Yes. Um, and I, so I do spend a lot of time doing this as well. But it's so important. Hiring is one of the probably number one almost important piece. The people you have is just everything. So, and I feel for my interview, I think the candidate is interviewing us just as much as we're interviewing them. Absolutely. So my goal is to ensure, yeah, that they know exactly what it's like. And because they're, you know, they might have a wonderful job and it's a, you know, it's a big move. So I just want to make sure they know what it's like to work at the company and it's the right fit for them. Mm. Okay. Yep. 
So that's the hiring. <laughs> um, and then the last one, this is just kind of random. <laughs> I call it, <laughs> I call it projects. I don't know what else. I don't know what else, but there's um, a few company wide things we do. So for example, and this is where it's going to vary widely um, depending on what company you work for. But currently um, there's a few company wide things. One is the 360. So we do, a yearly 360 feedback, so we're kind of formally written feedback, and I will help my teams through that. And we do a lot of live. We do some of these live as well, so I'll, I'll participate and help um, with those. We also do an annual comp review, um, and I some companies actually have a you know a compensation team, but currently we don't. We actually the HRVPs actually do that with the leaders, so I will help consult on that. And then we do what's called a new employee college. Uh, it's basically, you know, onboarding all the new folks. So I will help run that for my team. And then we do, leaders will do a lot of offsites with their organization. So I will help them with the agenda. Sometimes I'll facilitate some sort of a talk or a session. And the last one that I can think of, <laughs> I might think of one more. But there the one that I can think of is um, I'll help. We have a leadership training, so I'll help facilitate uh, that. Gotcha. So that's the catch-all for everything else that I do in my free time. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So this is fascinating to me because I think, Katie, uh, uh, you know, again, as we've discussed, there's not a whole lot of knowledge about what an HRBP is, A, mm -hmm. and then B – um, it seems like just based off how you're being utilized right now, um, you're kind of like this pretty amazing utility player that can kind of do or be whatever the organization needs right now. Is that kind of accurate? I like that description. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. um, I feel what's interesting about the job is I never know. So I'll have a day, like a set kind of schedule of like, okay, here's who I'm meeting with today. And inevitably pretty much every day, something will come up. That's very interesting. Uh, and I'll have to drop, <laughs> I'll have to drop everything and kind of work on that. So part of the job is reactive, um, which a lot of, some people don't like that part of the HR business partner role. I personally love it because I feel very valuable. It's almost, I'm not a doctor, but it's an ER doctor, right? Somebody comes in you immediately have to help that person. So it just, I get a lot of value out of that. And then the other piece of it though, is also very proactive because you're helping leaders think through forward, you know, forward thinking. Um, and then the coaching is kind of present right now. So I feel like I get a mix of that past, present and future. Well, there's not really any past, unless we can't get over something that actually that's probably true. There's some past, um, past history relationships always play a part when we're working through employee relations issues. Oh, sure. So I kind of get all three of those in the role and I really enjoy uh, that combination. So, okay. So one of the things that you and I were discussing was kind of the value that an HRBP can provide. And I think that some of that value definitely is the flexibility and the, the broad range of expertise that you provide and, and kind of bring to the table. I know that you've had other positions at other companies prior to this where you've played a similar role. Do 
in your experience, have you been used the same way across the board or do different companies kind of utilize HRBPs in different ways? That's a good question. So I have a very distinct style um, in how I work. And I think that's probably a little bit unique. Um, I think it's going to vary. So if you work with several different HRBPs, I think you're going to have a, they're going to have a different way of working. Um, some companies have more like projects, I would say, or programs is probably the right word. Um, and so some, some companies, so when I worked at, at Facebook, which is a wonderful company, loved working there. They had a little bit more company wide, like they did performance management reviews, which were company wide know compensation there was um company-wide surveys that we would do i think twice a year just to get a pulse on how the employees are feeling so some companies will have more programs um whereas other companies are a little bit more they, they may not have as many or it's organic the org that you're working with can do their own whatever suits the needs so i feel that i've kind of used the same like Again, coaching is kind of a back. I find that that's the most valuable. That's what my leaders and managers want. They want to be able to talk through things. And so that's more of the value that I play. I think other HRVPs maybe don't do as much of the coaching. Maybe they try to scale more with, with programs. Um, but I don't find a ton of programs that useful. Um, it just depends on what we're trying to do. But you need some, obviously, to help scale. But I think mine is just a little bit more of a consultative coaching approach. And I don't, again, I've said this a couple of times, but I don't have the answers. It's really fun to come to the answer together with someone or asking them the right questions. Because I think deep down, everybody knows the answer and they have great intuition. They're just not confident with it. So you just need someone to kind of get that out um, of you and then talk about options, right? And we can think through all of the different options we have, and then you can choose the best one and try that. And if it doesn't work, we'll try something else and keep trying. All right. So one last question on this topic, because I think that it's, it's worth noting for, you know, a, a lot of our listeners, they don't have HRBPs. In fact, some of our listeners don't even know what that is. And this is the first time they're hearing about it. What's, um, what would be an indicator for a company that maybe hiring some HRBPs one or multiple would be a good idea for them? Like, what are some things, some pain points that they may be hitting as an organization that would signify, yep, we need to hire that kind of person? Yeah, I, I mean, I think a good example of where it's maybe gone wrong, and I don't want to bash any other companies that are very public, um, <laughs> but Uber, for example, did not have enough HRBPs. So if you have a lot of employees who are leaving um, the company or, you know, making claims about maybe inappropriate behavior of what's going on, you're too late. <laughs> You've missed the boat. Um, I think a lot of times companies will focus on recruiting. So I think startups, when they start, they really focus on hiring. We've got to hire. We need a recruiting team. But what's you know, the complementary side to the hiring is going to be the HRBP to help support and onboard all those new people and make sure 
you it's an inclusive environment and they're going to want to stay there because you if you hire and everybody leaves then you're just spinning your wheels right um and hopefully you're spending a lot of time you should be really really picky on who you're hiring so then you keeping that person is just it's you know even more valuable i would argue than hiring somebody else um yeah absolutely so i think that you know it's an easy role to kind of forget about because it is very much in the back. You know, I'm, I think the role is very much in the background, which I love. It's super fun because I get to kind of pump up the leader and they get to do really well. And that's fun for me to see, but I don't, you know, I don't need to be in the spotlight, but it's just, I think you got to have both roles. Um, there's going to be for, for the recruiting team, you know, HRVPs can support a couple hundred employees depending on, you know, the scope of the role. So there's not that many HR business partners, but if I was doing a startup, I would definitely have, you know, someone heading up recruiting and then someone heading up the HR business partner team just to start. Cause it's, I think they're both equally important. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And I think there's, there's so much, you know, to your point, Katie, I, there's so much that we, that companies do focus on when it comes to recruiting and hiring and got to staff up. Uh, but to your point, if you lose a staff member, it's, it's, you're flushing tens of thousands of dollars down the drain on that individual. And you could just hire an HRBP, stop the bleeding, um, slow your, you know, attrition rate, increase your retention. And you've actually saved money by hiring someone, which everybody wins that way. Right. So, um, yeah, I think that's super valuable insight. All right. So speaking of, of, of talent, you know, one of the things we were talking about was uh, it's really hard to find qualified talent right now. Um, I mm-hmm. was having a conversation with the CHRO uh, of a major Fortune 500 company late, uh, just recently, and she was telling me, you know, we have hundreds of positions to fill and we can't find qualified talent right now. Uh, that is willing to move, that's willing to leave where they're at to come over here. So, you know, they're having all sorts of problems. Like we're having to pay more just because we have to get these positions filled and we're having to think about our our compensation packages totally differently. So I wanted to talk to you about that because that's something that you hit on just, just a little bit ago. But what are some things that you're doing? I mean, look, you're in a super competitive space. You're in a very competitive industry what are you seeing right now in that talent acquisition space and what are some of the challenges that you're kind of running into? Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a a fight (laughs) for the top, top talent um, and even specific roles. um, But really everywhere, I think there's a, there's definitely a fight. Um, And I, to, I think, you know, the company culture is going to help sell people, um, on that company. So I think that's so, so important. You've got to focus on your company culture and you want to have a really good brand, but it has to be real. Right. right. Um, so I think that's very key. Um, the other thing too, compensation is important to people. Let's be real, right. People have <laughs> mortgages and children, right. So you do need to be competitive with your compensation. And I actually think it's wise to have one amazing person who can maybe 
have it impacted two people and pay them twice as much, right? Wow. So that your yeah, I think compensation is really going to help that employee feel valued, and also they have a bigger scope. They're going to be more motivated. It's exciting to have a really large impact at a company. So maybe think about hiring less people and having them do more and they'll come up. You don't want to overwork people. That's not what I'm saying, but I think people will come up with very strategic ways when you have a lot to accomplish, they'll figure it out. You know, we'll figure out some automation or we'll figure out what we don't need to do and what we need to, you can say, uh, stay hyper-focused. So I feel like that's a good strategy because people really like having a large scope of role. Um, that definitely helps with retention as well. So I feel like those two things, so I guess it would be, you know, the company culture scope, it's three things, company culture, scope of role, and also the compensation. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's big. So, so what do you do? Cause I mean, again, you know, some of the people that listen to this podcast, they may be smaller companies and maybe medium sized companies that don't have huge financial resources you know, what would be some of the recommendations that you would give them, for instance, to kind of think about that talent acquisition? Is it just like majoring on the majors, which are uh, company culture? So I totally get it, right? Startups maybe can't fork over um, a humongous salary, but they could give, maybe think about doing creative compensation like stock Mm. equity. That's very, that could be very, very valuable. Um, there is a really great, um, it's an article. It's, it's called Jack Stack. It's by Kirk O'Hanson and David um, Boyer. And that, I would read that if you're a startup, just read that because it's really interesting on what this guy did to basically have a company that was going out of business and really motivate the employees to work hard. There's a lot of, um, key learnings, I think in that, in that article, but the big picture is you can get creative. And if employees feel a sense of ownership of the success of the company, that's very motivating, um, more so than compensation, right? So what you're doing is actually more important than what you're getting paid for. But it's a combination, again, because people have to live their life, and that does play play a big role. But I think people need to feel valued, and they need to feel invested in the success. And that will be really, really uh, rewarding for employees. All right, I'm going to stop right there. This episode of HR Insiders is brought to you by PC Housing. PC Housing caters to business travelers and their families by providing tailored, temporary housing solutions that are less like a corporate apartment and more like a home. With anytime check-in, flexible lease terms, and personalized welcome grocery packages for their guests, PC Housing provides the amenities you need to be at your best. Need something customized to fit your specific needs? PC Housing offers customizable furniture and housewares to match your lifestyle. With communities throughout the U.S. and Canada, they have the resources to simplify and enhance your temporary housing needs. Relax and know PC Housing backs its services with the risk-free PC Housing Guarantee. If you're not happy, they'll do all they can to make it right or provide a refund. PC Housing. Stop searching, start booking. For more information, please visit our website, hrinsiderspodcast.com. That's hrinsiderspodcast.com. Now, 
back to the show. So, are, are, you know, and it doesn't have to be at your time at your current position. There may be things that you've done in the past, but are, are there things that you've done in your professional life that you've seen be really, really successful for that talent acquisition? Because again, it just, it feels like it's just becoming more and more impossible to find those really talented, qualified people. Yeah. So I think for me, I mean, the story that comes to mind (laughs) is I, I guess it goes into the retention piece because I really wanted to be an HR business partner as soon so I started in recruiting and once I found out about what an HR business partner does, it was so clear for me. I was like, Oh, that is what I want to do. But the challenge was I was at Facebook at the time. The HR business partners were very senior, right? They were all director level and they wanted very senior folks in these roles. So I had to get very creative on how I could eventually move into that role. So what I, the best advice I have for people who want to maybe move into something else. And again, this goes into retention because I think people, when they join a company, they want growth. They want to learn, they want to grow um, and they might want to move into something else eventually. And so having those opportunities for your employees is going to attract them to your company and help with hiring. But for my story, um, cause a lot, I feel like that's one of the main questions I get asked is like, Oh, how can I move into this other role or get promoted or whatever it may be? So for me, what really worked was you got to kill it in your current role, be the very best <laughs> in your current role. That's step one, <laughs> because others will notice that. Right. Um, so you got to do that. And then step two is just become really valuable to whatever other team you want to become. So for example, in my case, um, I met with HR business partners. I let them know, Hey, my long-term goal is to be an HRVP. I was very upfront with my manager as well. Of, hey, I'm going to really kill it in my current role, but my long-term career goal is to become an HR business partner. And then what I started doing was I asked them if they had any side projects that I could help with. And they did. They gave me some, some stuff that I could work on. And I you know, tried to add a lot of value to that team. And then I noticed a huge gap. And the gap was... Um, at the time, they had very senior HRBPs, and there's a lot of um, there's a lot of tasks that more junior, a more junior level person could do, and that would be perfect for me. So I started actually filling a little bit of those gaps, and then they ended up creating. Um, at the time, we were called HR generalists. I was um, one of the first HR generalists at Facebook. Um, and it was kind of this more junior level HRBP role that they basically created because I pointed out a need for that. <laughs> and then, well and then what was so cool. Yeah. What was so cool for me is I got to learn from the very best HR business partners, in my opinion, I think so highly of the Facebook HRBPs. Um, and then I got to learn under them and then eventually the role turned into an HR business partner role. So that was really how I did it. Now it took a really long time, took a year. Like I think it took a year, the whole moving into that HR generalist role. So people have to be patient. It's not going to happen overnight, especially if you're trying to move into something very different. Um, But to bring it back to your question of how can you, you know, attract 
all, you know, the best candidates possible is you got to have that agility in your company where people can move into other roles and they can grow with the company or their current scope. Um, if the company is growing their current, they might not have to change roles just because their current scope gets bigger and bigger and bigger as the company gets bigger. So that's um, a really cool, cool option for, for candidates too. I love that. I love that. All right. So there's another thing that we want to talk about, which is um, we're seeing a lack of retention and there's really a lot of things that go into that, but one thing in particular, and we're seeing a lack of retention across the, the workforce, right? Like people are staying at jobs, not nearly as long as they used to. And you, as you and I were talking, you really brought up this one thing that you're like, well, this is a big part of that. And I, I really want to dive into that because again, uh, I know uh, as I'm having conversations with Fortune 500 or with medium-sized businesses, people are losing other people because there's a talent shortage. So then when someone can get somebody to leave, they do. So what are some things that you're seeing that can kind of increase or help with that uh, retention rate? Mm -hmm. So I think probably the number one thing would be their scope of role, which we kind of touched on a little bit, but people want to have a big impact and they want to feel really valuable to the company. At least the top, you know, high performing individuals tend to have that desire. So I, again, that kind of goes to don't, don't overhire. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And, and I would give people these stretch roles because they really want to learn more and be successful. And if you're hiring very smart people, maybe they don't check all the boxes of what, you were looking for, but they can figure it out. Um, so that's one thing is have a big scope of role for these people so that there's room to grow. Um, the other part of it too, I, I, I don't like this part, but it's a real, I think it's a reality is, is kind of what we talked about before is compensation. You got to, you need to pay competitively because that does make employees feel valued. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just a reality of life. You don't need to, again, compensation is not everything, but I do think if someone can make twice as much somewhere else, that probably might start looking very interesting. No matter so how you good your company <laughs> culture is. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then I think the last thing would be really investing in your employees. So it doesn't have to necessarily be um, formal training or anything, but employees, it kind of goes back to the first part too, of they want to learn, they want to grow and be challenged. And so you need to make your employees feel valued. They need to feel cared for, like a manager needs to actually care for their employees and employees need to feel that. Um, The Gallup study did a really, there's a great book actually for anyone who wants to read it. It's called First Break All the Rules, but the Gallup study basically, or sorry, the Gallup consulting company did this study where they looked at basically for high performing individuals, what is the most important thing for them? Mm. And the answer is their manager. (laughs) Um, And that goes back to like the manager is so key for everyone. And then they have actually 12 things that managers should do. So it's something that people could research. I think it's a really good 
a good thing. But first break all the rules, basically lines it all up for you. But employees just need to feel that they are cared for and they are valued. And then I think they will stay. It's really hard to leave a good manager, even at a bad company. So I think those managers are important. I love that. That's great. That's great. That's great. Uh, Okay. So I think that all these things kind of lead to this overwhelming sense of, you know, we're, we're basically talking about the same, how to get talent and how to keep them around. And that that is fundamentally what an HRBP does, right? You, it seems like, and everything you've said, like you're going to coach the VPs, you're having conversations and coaching sessions with uh, directors, and then you're having some more engagement with managers and you're overseeing a couple hundred people. And that leads to higher retention. It leads to, you know, communicating your, your company values and your company culture in a more proficient way. And I think that that really details Katie, the value that an HRBP brings, which is, it's not just retention. It's not just hiring. It's not just in the workforce. It's also an individual's personal happiness. And so when I think about your role and how you play all these different various positions, if you will, and you're the HR generalist, like at Facebook, you're playing this vital, irreplaceable role that many large businesses lose, which is that personal touch of someone caring for Mm -hmm. those people. It seems Mm -hmm. like, and you tell me if I'm wrong, Katie, it seems like you play this kind of role of counselor, (laughs) Uh, not professionally, of course, Mm -hmm. this counselor, (laughs) um, this mentor, this buddy, this uh, sounding board, and that that really dramatically improves the air that people breathe in the workplace. Is that accurate? Ooh, I love it. <laughs> the <laughs> air that people breathe. Yeah, I think that I think that's it. Spot on. Yeah, and I think the relationships are the key thing. When I'm working at a company, I really try to stick with an organization for you know, a long time because you'll develop those very deep relationships with the leaders and build that trust. Um, and then you become just even more effective. So yeah, I think you have it, um, summed up. I like it very nicely. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Well, look, I, I think that that's fantastic. And I wish, I really hope that our listeners take this and that they go think strategically about hiring someone like you to come be a part of their company and organization, because I think it is such a valuable role that does help talent across the board at, at people's companies and also just helps the company culture. So I love everything that you've shared. This has been absolutely fantastic. A wonderful conversation. Um, I really appreciate you being on. If people want to reach out to you, Katie, what would be a good way for them to reach out to you and maybe ask you more questions about what it is that you do, or um, maybe just give some feedback uh, about what you said here today? Yeah, absolutely. So two places. So my, my email is probably good. So it's um, K and then my last name, Ray. So it's K-R-E-A-U-G-H at gmail.com. That's people can email me. And then I'm actually going to be publishing a website here pretty soon called executivecoachingforlife.com. And that's just kind of my creative freedom. I love to write. Um, and I'll link, you know, I talked about a lot of articles that I really enjoy. So I'll talk about things like that. Also, 
um, some fun exercises you can do to learn things that are really important to you. So just as, as I've been coaching people for a while, I'm summing up what I'm learning and hearing that people want to talk about or think through. So I'll put kind of those fun um, articles on that website. I love it. I love it. Well, Katie, thank you so much for joining the HR Insiders podcast. I really appreciate the time and your expertise. This has been a fabulous conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, this was so fun. I loved it. (laughs) Awesome. Well, maybe we'll have to have you all back on sometime soon. Yes, for sure. Thank you.